Matthew 13, look at verse 22. In the midst of this uh, sermon, this message from the Lord uh, that was often referred to as the parable of the sowers, uh, of the sower, in verse 22 he says this, He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. So let's pause right already and talk about this. When, when he talks about uh, uh, when, when we receive seed among the thorns, what is he talking about here? Well, the seed is the gospel, the truths of Jesus, who he is, the good news of Jesus. That's, that's literally what the word gospel means, the good news of Jesus. And so this seed encompasses, even though a seed is often a little bitty thing, this seed that Jesus is speaking of here contains a universal truth, something bigger than the universe, frankly. This is talking about the fact that we are sinners, every last one of us, and yeah, I used that word, we are sinners. Every last one of us have violated the righteousness of God. Uh, and so we all stand before God as sinners. And because of our sin, the book of Romans makes this so clear. We just saw this, I believe, a week or two ago, maybe, that in, in the book of Romans, that what we have earned because of our sin is what? Death. And so that's why physical death exists on earth today. We did that. But it also uh, includes spiritual death. So the reality is we're sinners, and we, what we have earned because of it is death and hell. But the gift of God, what we gain from the Lord Jesus, is eternal life as a free gift, freely offered to us from God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? Because God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took our place in death. So Jesus has already paid that price, that penalty in full. And now all we have to do is in faith accept his free gift of salvation uh, extended to us by his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, Ephesians tells us. And so that's what the seed is. Wow, that's some good stuff right there, isn't it? The seed among the thorns. What does the thorns mean? Well, that means uh, among three main enemies that we face. Of course, the devil and his demons. We face the enemy of the world, and we face the enemy of our own flesh. Uh, and we could dive into each of those even further, but just understand that this morning, that these thorns are the things that would hinder us or would attempt to keep us from the gospel. So uh, thorns are, are just, just that in nature. When, when, when thorns exist on a plant, they, they inhibit, uh, of course, uh, encroachment on that plant, but it can also inhibit the seed that falls from planting more. And so the Bible here is talking about um, uh, the world, if you will, and sinfulness, unrighteousness, attempting to hinder us and keep us from the seed. But the Bible says, He that received the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. Now, what's the word here? Well, the word is the truth of the gospel. So when you, when you see the, the word here, this is a lowercase w. This is talking about hearing the gospel message. If you see a capital W, that's talking about Jesus himself. In John chapter 1, for example. In the beginning was the Word. That's a capital W. 
Uh, and it goes on to define the word as being Jesus himself very clearly. So, he also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. So, what does the Bible tell us already? There's, there's doctrine right here in this phrase. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing, correct? And so, friends, you have to hear the gospel in order to receive it. And that means that those that are out here who haven't heard it are depending on me and you, whether they realize it or not. It is up to me and you to be the one who speaks the gospel to them in love. So, wow, there's all kinds of good stuff just in that phrase, right? He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. Continue on. Now, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Now this, friends, the, 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 the term crying shame just popped into my head. This is a crying shame. This is talking about people who are saved, right? They received the word. They acted on it. They're saved. And yet, they have returned, if you will, back to the world. They've gotten their eyes off of the Lord, and just like Peter when he was walking on the water. And when he was looking at Jesus in the middle of a raging storm, he could walk right on top of that water toward Jesus. But the instant he got his eyes off of Jesus and on the storm, he began to sink. So just like Peter, that's a perfect illustration biblically of what the Bible is talking about here. When we get our eyes off of him and onto ourselves or onto this world, the Bible tells us that our fruitfulness for him is, is stolen away. Now, friends, this is a big, big deal. This is a serious matter. Uh, just this week, we were having some conversation around here. I don't even remember who was involved. But we were talking about the fact that it takes a long time to gain people's trust. It takes a long time to earn their respect. But that trust and respect can be gone just that fast. You make one poor decision. You make one uh, 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 sinful act. And all of that respect and trust is now compromised. It doesn't mean that they don't like you necessarily anymore. It just means that they don't know if they can trust you anymore. Up until this point, you were towing the line. But now all of a sudden, you did that? Well, what does that mean about what you're going to do in the future? So it makes sense, right, that, that, that that's compromised, and now they don't know what to expect from you. And so the Bible is saying here, friends, it's, it's, it's admonishing us that the care of this world, the stuff of the world, whether it's the accumulation of stuff, something that is, I think, now I'm going to ruffle some feathers here this time. Right? One false idol in the United States today is this concept of retirement. Oh boy. I know who is here today, okay? But listen, friends, I've actually heard, I'm not saying this about this congregation this morning. I have literally heard people say, uh, I, 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 in fact, this is a, a, a personal experience. When we first got here about 10 years ago, I met a woman and I invited her to come to church. And she just as friendly as can be, she said to me, oh, we used to go to church all the time. We're Baptists, but we're retired now. <laughs> Friends, I'm glad Jesus never retired on me. 
And so just because you may not work that career, that job anymore, doesn't mean you retire on God. Now, I know you all know that, and one reason I know that is because you're here on a Sunday morning. And I praise the Lord for that. Thank you for being here. Some of you are guests, and maybe this is your first time here. May I just selfishly say what a blessing it is to me to have you here today. For you to take time out of your vacation, you could have not been here today, and no one but you and God would have known that. Nobody back home would have known. We wouldn't have known here. And yet, you love your God so much that you chose to take time out of a relatively pretty Sunday morning to be here. And I say thank you for that. God bless you for that, for being here today. The care of this world. Be on guard, friends, because it can sneak in in all kinds of little ways. And our enemy is smart. And he's way smarter than me. I know that because you're all much smarter than me, and he's smarter than you. So he's way smarter than me. And very, very tricky. And most of the time, he knows that he's not going to get those of us who love the Lord and truly desire to serve him and to seek him daily. He knows he's not going to get us to make a full-out, full-tilt exodus, if you will, and just completely reject the Lord at this point in life. He knows that's probably not going to happen. But what he knows is exactly what he did to Jesus when he tempted Jesus. He actually uh, uh, spouted scripture to Jesus. But then at the very end, he just tweaked it just a little bit. You tweak it at all, and it's not truth anymore. And he loves to do that to us. Be very careful of the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. That one is so obvious. These things choke the word, the Bible says, and we become unfruitful. So how do we guard against this? Friends, guard your desires. The care of this world, guard your desires. What is it you desire? One of the most misinterpreted verses in all of Scripture is, is, is uh, uh, that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. You know what that verse actually says? It says, he will give us the desires of our heart. Well, what does that mean? It means he gives you the desires. In other words, you will have the desires that he wants you to have. It does not mean he will give you a bigger boat, a bigger house. He will not give you the material stuff that, that is in your heart. No, it says what it says. He will give you the actual desires but only when you are leaning into him and only when you're walking with him and desiring him. Because when you do that, you will want what he wants. Guard your desires. Next, guard against selfishness, the deceitfulness of riches. Friends, uh, you, you've probably heard this before, but it's a good illustration. That stuff that God has entrusted to you, hold it like this. Don't hold it like this. If you hold it like this, when he removes it, it's going to hurt. In fact, I got a perfect illustration on my hand right now. Back about 11 years ago, this guy thought he was a lot younger than he was. And I was playing football. Yeah, I know. I, I was playing football with our sons and their buddies. And one of them was particularly quick. And I decided I'm quicker. 
I might be old, but I'm quicker. And so I reached out to that kid, and I got a hold of his shirt. But he twisted and turned just right that it literally shattered the bone right here in this pinky. And that's why it's crooked now. It won't go, it won't go straight. Why? Because I held on like this. If I had been smart, we're playing touch football. What, what's in my head? All I had to do was reach out and go, dink. No, I'm going to show him something, I guess. And so I grabbed on, and now that's permanent. Friends, that stuff that you think is yours is not yours. It is his, and he has entrusted it to you to use for him. The Bible calls that stewardship. You are a steward of what is his. And some of us, he has entrusted more stuff. That's according to his purpose. And I don't need to be jealous of that. I will tell you, I'll give you just another personal. Th by the way, these are not brags. Certainly not that one. You know, these, these are not brags. They're just my own experience, and that's all I've got to share with you. Back in the day before coming here to be pastor, uh, I was uh, a business guy. I made a lot of money in central Indiana, especially because the cost of living there is a fraction of what it is here. And, and I made good money there. We were in the six digits in central Indiana. We had everything we wanted. Uh, we had everything we needed and most of what we wanted. We left that and came here and make less than 25. We make about 20% now of that income. Ten years later with inflation, right, and the cost of living here. And I will tell you this, friends, I've never been richer in all my life because it's not about money. It's not about the money. I'll tell you one thing that really has been significant to us. We were debt-free when we got here, completely debt-free. That is huge freedom. That's just a sidebar today, and especially to you young ones. Don't let the world, don't let the credit card companies, don't let, credit is not your friend. Credit and mortgages are the enemy. And so you operate, only spend what you got. Don't spend more than you got. In fact, it's a really good idea to spend way less than what you got and save a bunch of it. Buy some Apple stock. You know? <laughs> Be smart with it. Years ago, Julie and I had season, pass, what do you call it, annual passes to Disney. And it finally occurred to me, man, they are getting a lot of money out of my wallet. So the next year, we didn't renew those, and I bought their stock. And now, we basically get free. They pay me for that annual pass. That's how it works, gang. Make it work for you. But be careful about those desires. Be careful about that selfishness and the deceitfulness of riches because it's really hard to make a buck, but it's even harder to keep it. I mean, everybody wants the money out of your pocket. Uncle Sam, most of all. So friends... Don't hold on to it like this. Otherwise, you end up with permanent scars. All right? Watch out that way. Next, it talks about choking the word, and this is the spiritual significance. Guard your Bible time. We're going to talk about this more, Lord willing, here in just a couple minutes. Guard your Bible time. Friends, if there are a couple of things in your spiritual walk that cannot be compromised, it's your prayer life and your time in the word. And in fact, in terms of priorities, I would flip those. I would say, in the word and your prayer time. 
because it's way better for me to hear from God than God to hear from me. So I'm going to be in my Bible, and you need to be in your Bible. Also, guard your testimony. He becometh unfruitful. What is the illusion that's distracting you, friends? What is it in this world that has got your attention and is causing you to think that this is so wonderful and beautiful, and, 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 and I need that? You know, talking about Apple, they are absolute geniuses at making very average hardware. Nothing spectacular about their hardware. They have really good operating systems, but their hardware is, in fact, oftentimes it's quite lacking. But they are geniuses at making you think you need it. And, and there are lots of companies that way, and that's why they're so successful. And, and, and the credit companies in particular are, oh, you deserve it. You know, Remember that old McDonald's thing many, many years ago? I just dated myself, didn't I? You deserve a break today. Oh, really? You know me that well to know that I deserve a break, huh? No, friends, the Bible tells us what we deserve, right? It isn't a break. Be careful, friends. Guard your testimony. So what is God's perspective? Well, it's revealed here in Scripture. Look at verse 23. But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, now watch this, and understandeth it. Underline those three words in your Bible. Which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. The, two, the difference in these two verses, friends, is understanding. <laughs> understanding. So that tells me that even if I'm in my Bible, if I'm in my Bible and just checking off a check mark for the day, yeah, read my Bible, what have I gained? Maybe, maybe a, a little blessing, maybe uh, some renewed perspective, but you haven't really gained any big meat out of it, Right? Nothing wrong with, uh, what's that devotional back there that we give away? D uh, daily bread. Nothing wrong with that. It's not great, but it's better than nothing. Chew on the word of God, friends, and I'm, I'm telling you, invest some moments, invest some time. Don't, it's not spending. You're not spending time. When you spend something, you don't get it back. Invest your time in the word of God and in the things of God and watch your fruitfulness take off. Some of you, maybe you're sitting here today, and, and you know, maybe you're not real involved in either here at this church or your church, I don't know, but maybe you're just not real involved, and in you even get to this place in your head where you think, I just don't have anything to offer. I mean, I, I can't do anything. Friends, first of all, stop thinking about yourself. Because even that is a form of pride. When you get into this place where you're self-deprecating and you, you just think that you're, you're not worth anything, that's a form of pride. Because it's not about us, whether we think we're all that or we think we're worthless. It's not about us. No, when God saves you, he builds into you. The Spirit of God puts in you at least one spiritual gift, and sometimes more than one. When he gives it to you, he then also enables you to use it. So when you say, I'm not worth anything, what you're really saying is, God, you're not able to use me. That's what you're really saying. But the reality is he can and he will if you will just simply allow it, if you will let him do it. Talk to your pastor. Talk to a, a, a spiritual mentor. 
and, and ask them, help me develop this, help me identify this spiritual gift, and then help me use it, help me uh, uh, nurture it for the Lord. We talked about the fact that understanding Scripture is, uh, is paramount. So how can I know what the Bible is saying? Well, let me just quickly give you some basic Bible study tips, okay? You don't have to be a scholar, by the way. I don't believe in, in scholars. I don't believe there is such a thing. There are some people who know more about Scripture than others, but I don't really know what a scholar means. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. You don't need, you don't have to be a seminary student. Look, when you read your Bible, start this way. Here's, here's the, if this is the only thing you take away in terms of Bible study today, it is enough. When you read Scripture, it doesn't matter where, front cover to back cover, ask yourself, what is this saying about Jesus? Because we all have the propensity, I think, to approach the Word of God and say, what's in this for me? Or what is this saying about me? Or what do I need to do as a result of this? First of all, get your perspective right. Scripture is not about me and you. It is about Jesus. Front cover to back cover. So when you approach the Word of God, ask yourself, what is this passage saying about Jesus? All of it. All of it. Even the stuff that you wouldn't really think is talking about Jesus, it's talking about Jesus. And ask yourself, what is it talking about Jesus? Then, you can just simply ask yourself, and I encourage you to journal this. Write this down. Find a spot in your house where you can sit down and take some notes. And take your time. You don't have to blast through a whole book. Take, take a few verses and just tear them apart. And ask those journalistic questions. You remember that when we were in school? They, they teach you these journalistic questions. Ask, who is this verse or passage talking about? Who is it talking to? Well, it's talking about Jesus, but it will also be talking about Elijah and Elisha and all these people in the Bible. So who's it talking about? And then who's it talking to? And, and not just in general, oh, it's talking to me. You know, you, you ask the kids uh, after church this morning, what was your Bible lesson about today? God right? No, start digging in there a little bit deeper than that and ask yourself, go get yourself a good uh, uh, a study Bible and ask yourself who is it talking to because there will be cultural significance there and there will be geographic significance there. There will be things there that help you understand the passage within its context. So, Who's it talking about? Who's it talking to? What is being said? What's happening? When is this being said or taking place? Where is this happening? How can I apply this to my life? Keep, a, keep that st a Bible study journal there. One, one, another study method that people use is often referred to as the inductive study method. It just simply means to observe, interpret, and apply. You do this every day, especially when you drive. When you drive, you will ultimately come to, let's say, a stoplight. Well, there's only one of those here in this town, so let's use a stop sign, okay? So that you come to a stop sign. The first thing you do is see it, hopefully, right? The first thing you do is observe. So you just simply see it. So when you approach Scripture, read it. Just read it. Read a passage. Next is interpret. When you, see the, when you see the stop sign, hopefully you understand and remember from your driver's training that that means that red, is it octagonal? 
or hexagon, I can't remember, but that sign that's red that says stop across it indicates that I need to bring my vehicle to a complete stop before I get to the sign. Is that right, officers? Am I, do I have that right? Rolling, rolling is not a stop, right? So I need to interpret what that sign is. Is that sign the same as a yield sign? No. I need to interpret the difference between those two. So the next thing I need to do is interpret Scripture, and there are some principles to that. Number one, you always let Scripture interpret Scripture. Always. It's a good idea to have a, a, a study Bible. I mentioned those a moment ago. A lot of them will have out in the margin other references that complement the one you're reading. A really good one is called a, a Thompson Chain Reference Bible. That's a good one to have handy. Go read those complementary passages, and they will help unlock. For example, just in broad brush terms, you cannot understand the book of the Revelation without reading the book of Daniel. You can't do it. They don't stand alone. Scripture always complements Scripture, and along with that, letting Scripture interpret Scripture, you never... If you start the phrase, if, if talking about Scripture, and you start with, well, I think... You're already, you already toast. You don't start that way. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what a denomination thinks or some pastor or a group says. It, doesn't, it sure doesn't matter what some book about the Bible says. What matters is what the Word of God says. What matters is what God says. And I don't know about you, but I want to know what God says. I'm not even interested in what Pastor Mike has to say. If I don't care, why should you? I want to know what God has to say. So observe, interpret, and finally, perhaps the most powerful piece of all in practice is apply. All right, so now the Bible has told me that I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ. It's telling me that, that faith comes through hearing, and the Bible is telling me that they're not going to hear unless I tell them. So now I understand it. I've, I've observed it. I've interpreted it. Cool. What's next? Do it. Do what it says. When you see something in Scripture, friends, do what it says. If I don't bring my car to a complete stop at or before that stop sign, Detective Underwood, even though he is a good guy and we're friends, he's going to write me a ticket. Because I didn't apply what I observed and interpreted so when you observe and interpret something, you have to do it. What do I need to change in my life based on this passage? Friends, get God's perspective. Someone once said that that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is having God's perspective. It is having God's vision on things, including the world. I understand that we live in a very, very broken world. Part of that is me. Part of that is you. Yes, we live in a broken world. And it does no difference. It does nobody any good, whether it's them or me, to just grouse and complain about it. That does nothing to change anything. What will change this world? Well, me praying, me getting in my Bible, and me doing what it says. That will change the world. Because only Jesus can change this world. You and I can't do it. 
Friends, they have to have Jesus. And the only way they're going to receive him is if we tell them. So friends, lots, lots of meat in just a couple of little verses here. So that's what I'm saying. You don't have to, don't, don't bite off this massive chunk. What's the old saying? You know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? Little bit here, little bit there. And seek godly counsel on it. If you run across something that you're just not getting, man, I love it when uh, uh, Nancy Godshaw texts me all throughout the week. And she'll, she'll take a snapshot of a passage and she'll say, she'll say what is this? And I'll say, I don't know. <laughs> Let's go find out. And we'll dig into it together and we'll find God's word revealed to us. We'll, we'll observe it, we'll interpret it, and we'll apply it. Father, we thank you for your word this morning.